You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and check us out online at beardedtheologians.com. You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Matt Franks and Zach Bechtold. And today we have a, a very special a guest on here. We have Mike Ratliff. Uh, he's a good friend of, of mine and Matt's. We've got to work with him on the Global uh, Young People's Convocation. And uh, we survived the Philippines with him, the typhoon. Um, so Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Mike Ratliff. I'm the Associate General Secretary of Young People's Ministries as a part of the Ministry of Discipleship Ministries of the United Methodist Church. Uh, What that really means is that I have the opportunity to lead a team of staff and work with um, a group of young people from around the world to, um, to help support, resource, and advocate for young people in the church. Uh, what that really means is that um, is that we spend time trying to understand and build relationships with those people who are in ministry with young people and young people themselves to learn about what the challenges are, what the needs are, um, how we can help grow disciples um, as they are moving through adolescence and into adulthood. So um, the division, the group that I work with has a youth, a young adult, and an adult worker from each of our central conferences, which are our regions outside of the United States. We have seven of them, three in Africa, three in Europe, and one in the Philippines that now includes Southeast Asia. Um, and then five jurisdictions in the United States. And uh, those are the Southeast, the Northeast, the South Central, North Central, and the Western jurisdictions. And so those groups of people come together once a year. And during that time, they spend times in networks of youth, young adults, and adult workers. And then they spend time in what we call tables. And those tables, relate to things, everything from environment to discipleship and evangelism. And through that process, we, um, we work to find ways to help ministry with young people in the United Methodist Church um, be more effective, and at the same time to find space in the church for um, young people's voices to be heard so that they don't get lost. An example of that, a recent example, is that our executive table, which is um, the leadership of our division, um, came together in March and discussed the issue of concern related to young people involved in the commission on the way forward. Um, And so they decided that we needed to invite members of the commission to join us for our division meeting this summer in order that they might be able to hear the voices of young people from across the United Methodist Connection in relation to the topics that they're dealing with. And so um, that decision resulted in first a really great conversation um, with the people on the executive table 
using some courageous conversation guidelines to talk about um, how they feel about homosexuality and how that relates to the church, how that relates to the work of the church. And, um, and then from that conversation, there was a letter drafted that went to members of the um, commission and, um, and those members have responded and we'll have three people from the commission that will be part of the division meeting this summer. And so that's an example of some of the more advocacy kind of work that we do. Um, in addition to that, there are, there are some events that we do. One of the major events is, um, is US-based. It's called um, the Youth Event. Zach was actually on the design team for Youth um, 2015 which was held in Orlando. The next one will be in, um, in Kansas City at the convention center there in July of 2019. And we're looking forward to bringing together young people from across the country. And because of where we're holding it, one of the uh, key issues that we'll look at um, through some workshops, possibly forums, other activities is um, issues related to Native Americans and the use of Native American names for sports teams. So, um, so we try to contextualize what we do with that event um, based on where we are and what the needs and perceived needs are of the church at that point. There's been some, uh, some people who have said, so what will that be like after a special general conference that's happening earlier in that year? Um, the reality is, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for youth and youth leaders of our church to show um, that we can be the United Methodist Church in the midst of differences. And so I think that's going to be great. Um, another, another special event that we work with every year, every four years, is, um, is called the Global Young People's Convocation. And... Um, I think Zach and Matt might actually have met as a <laughs> um, on, that, uh, on that adventure last time in 2014 in the Philippines where we also got to experience a typhoon. Um, that event has been characterized as kind of a youth general conference or a young people's general conference. The reality is it's a lot more than that. Um, it really is designed to bring young people together to, um, to hear from each other, to learn from each other, to learn together, to grow together in faith, and to, um, to speak in various ways to the church in general. Um, in the past, part of that has been a part of the legislative assembly where petitions have been submitted and considered and voted on to go from that assembly directly to general conference. Um, that has changed. Our general conference last year adopted a recommendation from the Division on Ministries with Young People to change that portion of that event to something called a legislative forum. And so what will be happening there this time is that topics will be brought. Um, groups of young people will have the opportunity to consider those topics. And then we'll have some people who specialize in writing legislation who will turn that into legislation that will use, um, an, I, I guess I would say, an alternative 
process to uh, to decide whether to adopt and send on to general conference or not. Um, I'm really excited about that. I think it's an opportunity for young people to lead the way. Um, in at the Global Convocation in 2010 in Berlin, um, we had everyone wear headphones and speakers spoke in whatever their language was. Um, that was a real step forward in the church. And we had a member of the Commission on General Conference there who said this needs to happen at General Conference as well. And, um, and it didn't in 2012, but in 2016, translation happened for everyone there so that those of us who are English speakers um, also heard um, translation. I think um, the, the Global Convocation and young people have the opportunity to set some new direction for the church. And, um, and so I'm looking forward to that. Last time we had, um, we had about 400 people, 420 people, I think, from um, 37 different countries. Um, that event combines with the training for our Global Mission Fellows on that year. And so there's this opportunity for young people to develop relationships that carry on into many other parts of life. And, and Matt and Zach are, a, are an example of that. Um, so those are our, our major events. There are other things that we do. Last year, we, um, we brought together um, people from across the United States to talk about uh, racism. And out of that conversation, we've had the opportunity to develop um, a possibility of a grant program for, um, for young people to do something in the area of racial reconciliation. And so that's being voted on maybe even as we speak in Norway at the Connectional Table meeting. Uh, so soon we hope to be able to, um, to roll that out giving some resources to young people to be able to uh, use their creativity to address an issue that is a major issue here in the United States. Um, we have a, a variety of people on our staff. Most of our staff um, live somewhere else in the United States or in the world and, um, and work in their particular region with um, young people, with leaders of young people's ministries and with concerns of young people. Um, and that's really what we're about. That's what we do. And I, I tell people that a lot of times I get to be the buffer in the machinery <laughs> of the church. Um, I try to work with the structure of the church and those people who are in um, places and positions that help young people or sometimes hinder young people from being able to be in leadership. Um, and so we work to do that, and I work specifically on that so that our staff and our division members are able to, um, to provide leadership and ministry across the connection. Is that enough? <laughs> <laughs> That's just the beginning. I love it. Um, you know, for, for all of our listen, <laughs> listeners or viewers, uh, you can blame Mike for this, um, <laughs> this whole bearded theologians thing. Uh, <laughs> Because uh, he's right, it's uh, the the global convocation that uh, that happened in the Philippines. Um, Matt and I like to describe it as we survived the typhoon, because um, <laughs> neither one of us live anywhere near water. 
<laughs> and uh, you know, but it, but it is, and and that's what we we love about um, the event that we've gotten to work with you and and uh, the rest of the young people staff through the convocation, and then me through Youth Fifteen. Um, you know, we can affirm that experience in in the work that y'all are doing and giving young people a voice um, in in doing it in creative ways, um, and that's huge. And so. I guess I guess my question for for you um, is is getting to work with youth and young adults and the and the people who lead them. Um, there, there's a lot of talk um, on and on about millennials and millennials not going to church and not wanting to be religious or spiritual or anything like that. Um, do do you what, what do you see there? I mean, kind of what are your thoughts on on young people in the church and and the way that the culture views it? Well, I have lots of thoughts about that. <laughs> you know, I, I guess I would say, first of all, um, the, the numbers that we see in general that are kind of thrown a, around about that um, don't actually reflect what we see in statistics from, um, from the United Methodist Church. And of course, we rely on statistics that come through a process that comes through annual conferences from general, I mean, from local churches, and uh, those are only as accurate as the reporting system that, that's there. Um, we have seen a little bit of a drop off. The reality is that, that um, since 2009, we've been tracking young people who are involved in faith formation activities in the church rather than membership or attendance. Um, it's certainly attendance of being involved there. But you know, before I came here, I was a local church youth minister and, um, and people really liked numbers. And, um, and yet we had things that happened all throughout the week in our ministry. And so um, just giving the number from Sunday school or the number from youth group or any other activity didn't really reflect the involvement and so um and so we moved to a, a total number of um, interactions with youth in a week um which could have been in the hundreds and then the total number of different youth who were involved in things during the week and that really helped us a lot more and so um so these statistics are to reflect um you know who are the young people who are participating in any of those kinds of faith formation activities in the church. And, um, and both youth and young adults grew from 2009 when that started. And, um, and just in the last two years, there's been a little bit of a drop off and percentage wise a little bit more with youth than, well, definitely more with youth, hardly any percentage drop off in young adults. So one of the, um, one of the exciting things about that for me is that I think we're beginning to help young adults find some places and some space to be in ministry. And that looks pretty different than traditional ministry. Um, you know, whether all those numbers are accurate or not, and are, is the church having a harder time, especially the mainline church in connecting with young people? I think the answer to that is yes. Um, and I think some of the struggle there, what, what I hear everywhere in the world, um, whether it's in churches that are part of the global south where 
uh, where attendance and membership is growing, or in Europe and the United States, kind of the northern part of the world, um, concerns about worship. Um, you know, I worked in large churches for most of my ministry, and those churches had multiple Sunday schools and, and worship services that happened at the same time. And like it or not, it was very convenient to go to church, for parents to go to worship, children to go to children's Sunday school, youth go to youth Sunday school. And so we have actually a lot of young adults today um, who have never really been in an integrated worship kind of experience. And, um, and I think if you look at any of the writing that's being done, especially about youth ministry, and, and I'm talking about youth ministry because I think youth ministry influences what happens with young adults or what doesn't happen. Um, and, and I think most of what you see today would say that youth ministry that's kind of over on its own um, is, is really not what we should be about because we're creating this little church that's an atypical experience for youth. Um, and when they graduate from that, they often graduate from churches. And, um, and so we have these opportunities, and, and those opportunities are to faithfully and me meaningfully engage young people in the whole worship of the church, in the whole life of the church. Um, you know, we decided when we first came to Nashville to go to a church because we were there for like four Sundays, and every Sunday there were youth involved in some specific part of leadership of worship. And, and that said to me that, um, that young people and having young people in leadership um, is important. Sometimes that can happen, so it's just kind of a show. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's not as useful, but even that is a step in a direction of, um, of inclusiveness. And so, um, so I would say that, yes, there are these kind of meta trends, these bigger trends that are out there. That, um, that less young people are involved in the church. Um, but yes, we also have churches that are doing amazing ministry with young people. And young people who are inviting their friends to come, and that I've always found is the key. Um, you know, it's easy for the pastor to say, we got these new people coming to the church, can you go invite their kid to come to church? Um, the reality is um, their youth gets involved in church, because somebody has said to them, you know, there's something here that's important to me, and, um, and I think it could be important to you too, so will you, will you come check it out? Um, and so, yes, there is that trend, and yes, there is, um, there is great opportunity and possibilities in the church as well, I think. Mike, uh, you, you kind of touched um, something that I really love. I love intergenerational ministry sure. stuff. Um, I love when I can provide space for for youth and adults of all ages and, and even children uh, to get connected together. Um, are there any kind of, uh, the one thing I struggle with is resourcing. Um, there's not very much resource out there um, for that kind of ministry. You know, I have to do a lot of adapting. Um, and lately, one of the, the fun things lately has been is it with, I know we just finished up um, Adam Hamilton's Creed study and they had a youth book and they had an adult book that we had purchased because we bought the big, um, and, and I've noticed that more and more from Cokesbury offering that youth component. Um, 
what are some ways that, um, you know, that you've seen successful uh, outside of just worship of connecting um, youth more into the church that you have seen that's been very helpful? What are, are there any kind of suggestions or anything that you've seen that has been helpful for churches? You know, something that we're working on here that comes out of an experience that I had in my last local church before I came to this position is um, I, we, we had a Lent season where we um, used the same themes throughout the church, um, children's ministry, youth ministry, adult ministry, older adults, um, on Sundays in small groups, everything that we did, we used the same theme. Uh, during that week. So everyone in the family, you know, so often, especially the larger the church is, the more this seems to happen. Everybody walks in the door and then goes in separate directions. And, um, and so this is at least a step in the direction of providing common ground and common space for, um, for conversation between people of different, um, of, of different age groups. And so we're um, actually working with our worship resource folks to begin probably in Advent to provide um, resources for youth ministry that connects with the themes for worship that our, that our um, worship folks put together. So I think that's one place. Um, then, then you can provide, you know, some questions that families can use at the meal table. Um, you can even provide that as a suggestion for families to do, because I know that that doesn't happen all that often anymore. You know, maybe there are more questions while you're driving the soccer games or whatever else is, uh, is going on in your life. But, but opportunities to discuss something that, that both of them have experienced in common just from different perspectives. Um, confirmation, I did the same thing. We, we had a required parents class for confirmation. Um, and, and some parents would get really angry. Um, and yet, I've had parents thank me for how much they've learned, which is a little scary, um, but <laughs> still a really great thing. Uh, we even had, if, if there was a youth whose family wasn't connected to the church, we had volunteers who were kind of their surrogate parent during confirmation um, to be involved in that. And so the classes generally were separate and were very focused in terms of age, age groups, but there were also times when they were together. And, um, and so they got to experience some things. Uh, often, often it was the first time that youth had ever heard their parents' faith journey. Uh, we, you know, we kind of did this, this faith map and, um, and they shared it with each other. Another place where I've seen that be really amazingly effective, um, I'd, I'd read some research that, that said that we really needed to be focusing on intergenerational kinds of things. And so took that seriously in terms of our mission trips. And, um, and so we did a mission trip that, um, that had adults, young adults, and older youth like 11th and 12th graders and they were international mission trips and the first one that we did um you know the first the first day um when we got back from work the um the older adults kind of hung out together you know we have a few older couples um the the adults who graduated from college and were kind of working adults 
they kind of hung out together. The young adults hung out together, and sometimes the youth hung out with them. And I was really worried about the fact that, oh no. Um, so, so about three days of that happened, and then something else happened. Um, on one of the work sites, um, a guy who was in the construction business had had told these young adults how to how to do a roof. Well. These young adults have been working on roofing and mission experiences for like five or six years. And they said, well, actually, this is the way that we've been taught and it seems to work. And I didn't hear about any of this until the end of the day. And they had gone back and forth and back and forth. And they finally did it the way that the young people, the young adults um, said it needed to be done. And, um, and I talked to the construction, I was hearing this, talked to the construction guy later he was like in his 70s you know and and he said you know i was arguing for my way because it was the right way and then i figured out what they were suggesting would be just fine and it didn't make a difference and so we went their way and it made all the difference and that was this huge breakthrough so that um all of a sudden as that story got shared in the group people understood that um that it doesn't have to all be done the right way because there are more ways to do it and young people bring creativity that um, sometimes we adults don't think about so um so that it was very creative name mission trip mixed mission uh, <laughs> and after about three years that became we we took about 200 youth and young adults on mission trips every summer and that year um after after about three years, that became our largest mission experience because people wanted that experience and they heard about it. So, um, so those are those are several ways that I would suggest that integration happens. Um, and I think that then spills over into worship, into um, the rest of the life of the church. So, um, I think starting with something structured and usually with something that you already have. Confirmation was that for for our church. And, um, and then building from that gives you the opportunity to develop a much more intergenerational kind of experience in the church. That's fun. Um, <laughs> something I like to ask um, people who've worked with youth and young adults, um, they have the best stories. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, Chris Wilterdink tells some of the best stories about driving <laughs> through uh, the Death Valley with youth and, and things, but, uh, <laughs> I, I like to hear, you know, there's always that one story that just sticks out that just you'll never forget. Um, so what's your story with that, with, you know, that, that one that just sticks out that's kind of the, this is youth ministry or this is why I do what I do? You know, I, a long time ago, I was just out of undergraduate school. Actually, my undergraduate degree is in business. Uh, my associate's degree is in music. I don't know how I ended up in ministry. I, well, I do because God put me there. But uh, but I was working in a church and um, and had this sister, older sister, younger brother uh, who was involved in youth ministry. The younger the younger brother's name was Bernie, and Bernie was a pain. <laughs> Uh, if there was something that Bernie could do to um, to destroy whatever we were trying to uh, create, he he did it, and he did it naturally with ease. Um, often Bernie was the last person to be picked up on Sunday night, and I know why. You know, 
And I found myself one Sunday night um, waiting, still waiting on his parents and, and, uh, and he was driving me crazy. And I picked him up by the elbows. And then I thought, oh my gosh. And I sat him down and <laughs> I've got to really think about what just happened there. <laughs> I'm really ready to throw him somewhere. And, um, and so we went on a retreat. At that time I was in Georgia and we went to the North Georgia mountains and it was in October. So it was cool. Um, but we went to a state park and went canoeing. Well, if you've ever been in North Georgia in the fall, there are lots of leaves and people go there by the droves to see the changing of the leaves. After the leaves change, they fall off the trees. And if they happen to be over lakes and streams, they fall into the lakes and streams. So we're, we're canoeing around. Nobody wanted, wanted to canoe with Bernie. And so being the good youth minister uh, and my wife, you've met, you've met Lynn, Zach, uh -huh. uh, the good youth minister's wife, uh, we invited Bernie to, to go with us, you know. And so we canoed up this little stream that fed the lake, and there was another boat, the pastor's daughter, as a matter of fact, and she lost her paddle. So for the first time in Bernie's entire life, he decided to be helpful. And so he reached out to get the paddle. Well, think about what happens in a canoe when you reach out to the side and shift the body weight. Um, yes, I had my shoes on, we had our clothes on, I had my wallet in my pocket, um, and, um, and we all three went in. Well, you know how you turn a canoe back over, you get at the ends and you pop it up and flip it over, and so, um, so my wife and I were working on that, although um, because of all the leaves that were in the bottom of the stream, when you pushed up, you went down. <laughs> And so it was probably the height of frustration with Bernie. We did get the canoe turned back over. We got everybody back in the canoe. We got back and things dried out and life went on. So, um, so then flash forward, I went to graduate school, got my degree in Christian education, moved to Kissimmee, Florida. And, um, and then had um, one summer, one of my former youth who, was thinking he might be called to youth ministry, came and lived with Lynn and I and worked at a church in a nearby town. And, um, and we'd had a district thing. It was an overnight thing in a church. And, um, and my youth would not go to sleep. I don't know if you've ever had that happen, but by about four <laughs> o'clock in the morning, I was not very happy. And so, um, you know, we... When it was over, we went back to the church. They went home. I went home. I was laying in the middle of the floor of our living room, thinking about what other career path I might take. And um, and Craig, the young adult who was who was staying with us and had also been at the same event, and I were commiserating. I think he was laying on the sofa. We were just trying to recover. And my phone rings. And so I answered the phone. Um, back then, you actually had to get up and go to where the phone was plugged in the wall. <laughs> answered the phone, and this voice came on and said, is this Mike Ratliff? And I said, yes. And he said, hi, Mike, this is Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> and this had been like eight years since uh, Bernie had been in the youth group. And he said, 
I just wanted to call and apologize. I went to college and, um, and I'm working now and I'm volunteering with middle schoolers in my church. And he said, I had no idea what I put you through. <laughs> but I just wanted to call and first of all, thank you and apologize. And, um, and you know, for me, that really is the story of what we're called to because um, there are so many young people that we have no idea that we've had any influence over in our ministry. Um, you know, we don't really know what God does with the seeds that we plant, but, um, but the exciting thing is God does something with those seeds. And, um, and I've been alive long enough and doing this long enough that uh, I've had the opportunity to, to experience some of um, those, those, and Facebook actually has helped, I experienced some of those opportunities to hear um, some stories that, that lets me know that what I've done has made a difference. And, and so that's, that's actually a story of hope that I like to share with people who work with young people because uh, we don't necessarily know. And for all the Bernies that might call us, <laughs> there are a lot more that we'll never hear from again. Um, and yet, hopefully, the things that we do make a difference. Mm -hmm. That's my story. You got it. I love it. <laughs> it's fun, Mike. Uh, is there anything else you want to share with us um, about the cool stuff you have going on? Or You know, um, I guess what I would say is, well, no, let me share with you. I was going to give, do this general wrap-up thing, but instead I'm going to share with you an opportunity. Um, on the 27th of July, we're launching... 80 days of fundraising for, we need to raise $80,000 for scholarships for our next global convocation, which will be happening in Johannesburg, South Africa in July of 2018, next year. Um, the only way that many of our young people are able to participate in that event is through scholarships. And, um, and you might think, well, gosh, the people who probably need it the most are people in Africa, and, um, and we're going to be in Africa. Well, Africa is a huge place. Um, Africa isn't one country, it's 54 countries. Um, if you took all the countries in the world and put them inside of Africa, most of us would fit. And, um, and so actually flying from, from one part of Africa, flying from Kenya to Johannesburg, um, might be as expensive as flying from Kansas City to Johannesburg. And so that money is really important. And, um, and we're going to have people doing different things. Some of you know that I've done bike rides in the past to raise money for things. And so I'm thinking about doing like 10 miles a day for 80 days or something like that. I'm going to be in Mongolia part of that time. I haven't figured that out yet. But, um, but that is an opportunity for us all to be involved in ministry, you know. Uh, I'd love for as many young people as possible to be in South Africa. And so I would extend that invitation to you. And if you come to umcyoungpeople.org, you can learn information about that. Um, beyond that, I'd, I'd want to invite you to find a way. Maybe your youth group does a bike ride. Maybe you do a 5K. Maybe you do whatever your group does to raise money, a spaghetti dinner, and, and donate that in order that um, young people 
from across the world might be able to come together to learn about each other, to experience God's presence together, and to speak to the world in ways that make a difference. So, uh, so that's an invitation that I give you in closing. You know, uh, I'll, I'll speak for Matt on this one. We'll, because uh, Global Convocation was, um, it's an important moment in, in, in our lives, uh, just in general because of the experience, but Matt and I, uh, it's, it's huge in our relationship. That's, that's essentially where we met and where all of this was birthed from. Um, we'll, we'll find something to contribute to that too. We'll, we'll see if we can, uh, come up with, uh, some sort of, uh, fun, uh, way to raise money through, through Bearded Theologians and, uh, see if we can't help out with that as well. Um, sure. yeah, so it's a big deal. Uh, love, love giving those young people a voice and, and the opportunity that we've had uh, to go and have a voice there as well. So we want to share that. Great. So we appreciate the opportunity. And, and Mike, we appreciate you being on. Um, Thank you for giving me the chance to do this. Yeah. Hey, you have an open invitation to come on and, and hang out with us anytime. All right. Well, <laughs> you know, we have topics in the church that uh, – <laughs> there might be some great times to do that. So yeah. <laughs> we'll have to talk about some other chances to do it. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, we, we love what you do and, and love that we've been able to be a very, very small part of that. And uh, you know, any way we can help you guys do what you do at you, young people ministries, we're, we're happy to help. Great. Thanks a lot guys. So, yeah. Appreciate you, Mike. Yeah, thanks for have a time. good day. You too. We want to thank you for listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast. Um, we want to encourage you to go online and uh, go to our website. We've got some great uh, podcasts and um, great blogs that are up there. Please, you know, go back and listen. There's some really good stuff on there. Um, just also go to our store, get some great uh, Bearded Theologians gear from mugs to, to T-shirts, to everything. Uh, we want to encourage you to uh, share us and like us. And, and please um, don't be afraid to share reviews on YouTube, iTunes, or Google Play. Uh, that actually helps us get views. And so I was looking the other day and on iTunes and we have two reviews, one from me and one from Zach's wife. Um, and so we'd love, we'd love to have a few more reviews. Um, and we'd love for you to subscribe to our YouTube page. Uh, we're shooting for a hundred people. Uh, right now we have 11. Uh, so, uh, for the Bearded Theologians, I'm Matt Franks. And I'm Zach Bechtold. Thanks for checking us out. Thank you for listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening and we hope that you share our content online uh, through Facebook and social media. And we hope that you check out our uh, Beardcast store at beardedtheologians.com and pick up some great Bearded Theologians gear. We hope you have a good day.